Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberg, and this is the program for you as a family caregiver. How you doing? How you holding up? What's going on with you? Those and more are the type of questions that we ask ourselves as family caregivers that I ask you. I want you to ask me, how are we doing? How are we holding up? And you can see more about why I do what I do here, how we do it, who we're doing it for, all at Hope for the Caregiver. Dot com hope for the caregiver.com I want to continue our conversation that we were having last week about the 1230 little device that I came up with for family caregivers 1230 it's easy as 1230 and I did it with our health our emotions our lifestyle our profession and today we're going to get into our money and endurance if you spell it all out it says help me last week we just spent time on help Today, we're going to finish the phrase, which is help me, me, money and endurance. We're going to talk about that. Just to review, for those of you who maybe missed it last time, under your health, get an annual flu shot. Some people don't want to take a flu shot. Some people medically don't feel they can do that, but I still recommend it. That's kind of a guide. But the whole point of this is not religion. I'm not setting up some type of institution that you got to, this is what we got to do. You know, I was driving to Bozeman the other day. We had an early snowstorm. We got about 80 inches of snow, and it was pretty cold, too. It was about, you know, 15 degrees when I was driving over there. When you get a lot of steam coming off of the river as you go through, and it gets very foggy to drive through the canyon that I have to go through to get there. Between the steam and the fog and the the snow-covered road, sometimes it's hard to know where the road is, and that's why I'm grateful they have those reflectors so close, and sometimes they're double-tiered because of the amount of snow we get and it just helps me know where the road is and so that's all this is just a reminder of where's the road you know where's the path we don't have to put ourselves under any kind of bondage to follow this we just come up with tools that maybe help us so for your health one annual flu shot two well visits a year 30 minutes daily of some kind of physical activity okay and if you can't get a flu shot or you don't want to get a flu shot I'm, please don't get all bent out of shape about that. Just simply, this is just a suggestion. And two well visits a year? Well, why wait a whole year to find out at your annual physical that you have high blood pressure or your sugar is real high or, you know, yada, yada, yada. 30 minutes a day of something physical. Do something physical. And for your emotions, how about a counseling visit? You know, once a month, just once a month to spend time with a counselor, a trained mental health professional, two support groups over the course of a month. They're not going to fix the problem. That's not what they're there for. They're there to better equip you to deal with the challenge you deal with. And most of the challenges we deal with, we will find are internal. It's how we respond to the things outside us that we don't like, which creates a lot of stress for us. So we better learn how to take things in stride and carry things and be flexible and be at peace with the ambiguity and all those kinds of things. Well, those are things that you can get from being around others, struggling with the same stuff, getting some help from a trained professional, and then spend 30 days a year in church. Okay? We as caregivers can't always go every Sunday, but we can aim for it. Why? Well, it's important that we have community around us, that we're hearing the gospel being preached to us. And make sure it's a church that is 
grounded in biblical authority in the scriptures, not, you know, some type of um, motivational speaker with a religious flair. Let's try to avoid that. Those are not helpful things, okay? Let, let's go to a place where they better equip you with the studies of the scriptures to have a deeper walk with the Lord, okay, and in knowledge. We, we should all be theologians showing up at church, the study of God, not religion, which is the study of man's approach to God. Let's go with theology. Let's study. Let's learn. Let's pursue God. We can know God. He's given us his word to be able to do so. And let's do that in a community of believers for several reasons. One of them, it's going to strengthen us for the journey. But the other thing is, more importantly, Scripture commands us to do it. Forsake not the assembly, Scripture states. So that's those are things that 1, 2, 30 for your emotions. So, you know, counseling visit once a month. Again, don't put yourself under bondage to, to adhere to that. Just consider that as a goal. And it may be just for a season that you do this. Two support groups a month, and you could do them virtually if you need to, and 30 days in church per year for your emotions. And then for your lifestyle, something for yourself every week. Do something, one thing for yourself every week, whether it's watching a movie that you like or reading a book or gardening. I go out on a horse. Uh, in the wintertime, I will do horseback riding, but I also will get out on a snowmobile. Just something for myself. I can't take off a lot of time, but I do what I can. Then two weeks annually have a vacation from being a caregiver. Again, we may not be able to do that at one time, but that's a day and a half a month. And you may have to split that out by hours. So if you've got a day and a half a month, so that's 30 hours a month that you could take one hour a day to take a break from being a caregiver, roughly. I mean, you, you see how you do the math. Don't Again, don't put this as some kind of unrealistic burden on yourself. Just make this a goal. You know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take a little bit of time off from this. You can. Anybody can find 30 minutes somewhere, okay? And then as part of that lifestyle, listen to 30 minutes a day of something funny. Get laughter back in your life. I know your circumstances are dire, so are ours. But we laugh, and it's important to laugh. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. We have plenty of time to weep as caregivers. Do we laugh? Okay? It's it's really important that we do this. And then the P of help is for our profession. And I recommend this. I do it for myself. One training class per year to learn a new skill. And I don't care what it is. You may learn Excel spreadsheets on your computer. You may learn how to garden. You may learn how to cook better. There's all kinds of cooking classes. You know, Graham Kerr, who's been on this program, the Galloping Gourmet, uh, just a wonderful man. He's got a whole series of things on on Amazon and other places that you can go and learn how to cook better. From him on heart-healthy stuff you could do. And it's really good stuff. I mean, it's he's been out there a long time. But, you know, you could go out there and get that if you want to learn how to cook better, which I recommend doing because, you know, who doesn't want to be a better cook? Cooking can be a chore for us as caregivers. I understand that. But still, 
I like to prepare and I like to get in there and try new things. I'm fairly adventurous in the kitchen and I make a great venison taco night. I've tried, I've had elk uh, stroganoff and elk spaghetti sauce and uh, I try all kinds of different things. You never know. I mean, do you know how to cook game? Do you know how to cook this? Do you know how to make a good roast? Do you know how to, you know, do things that that will bring a lot of flavor to your life, but learn something. I took a class last year at Hillsdale College on C.S. Lewis and Christianity. 30-part class, free. It's just lectures, and I listen to it, and you take a little test. I passed it, got a certificate. So, you know, there's always something you can learn. As, as, a, as an employee, as in your profession, you can always improve yourself with some kind of training. And then two performance meetings a year with your supervisor. Why, why wait for an annual one to find out there may be a problem? Have two, just to make sure that there's good communication. And then, as part of that, by the way, do the, give a good, good day's work. Uh, be forthright with your boss. Let, let them know what's going on with you. You don't have to give all the details, but let them know what's going on. And then ask for and give flexibility to the best of your abilities. And then 30 minutes a day away from your desk or phone during office hours. 1, 2, 30. One training class two performance meetings, 30 minutes daily. So those are just the some some tips that I came up with. I don't normally give tips, but it's something I do for me to the best of my abilities. Thought it may be helpful to you. That's for help. We're going to get into the money and endurance when we come back from the break under the help me. So just little things I thought may be helpful to you as my fellow caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberg. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had numerous credit cards, and I was struggling with paying them off. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813 to talk to a certified counselor. I had heard about Trinity, so I made the call. They took care of all of my credit cards, and now I am completely debt-free. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. The people at Trinity are very friendly. They will do whatever you need them to do in order for you to feel better about being in a very difficult place. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. My name is Anne, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. One of the toughest challenges for caregivers is to detach from the poor conduct of our loved one. Chronic pain, dementia, pharmaceuticals, fear, those things can cause all types of behavior issues. Maybe they're just having a bad day. Regardless of what's going on with them, we don't have to take it personally, even if it sounds personal. As long as our self-worth is tied to the opinion of someone else, we're never going to be a healthy person. You are an extraordinary individual created in the image of God, and amazingly, you show up to care for an impaired loved one. They may pop off at you, say hurtful things, and berate you, but remember, they are impaired on some level. Why would you attach your value to a sickness? Listen, they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. Let it go on past you and go about your day feeling confident you're doing the best you can with what you have and what you know. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Roseberg. Hey, listen, this is a version of this wonderful song that we all know. This is from Mylon LeFevre, way back in the early 90s. Listen to this lyric. You know, he's the only one that I know that did that with this song. With the lyrics of this song, let the sick say I'm whole, let the bound say I'm free. And I've always loved this arrangement. We lost Mylon this year. I don't know how many of you all knew him and, and, and loved his music. I did, and I, I didn't know him, but I, I loved his music. And he is now singing with the heavenly host. Uh, but what a what an amazing talent. And I always loved his version of that song. I mean, it, yeah, the production on it is a little dated from the early 90s. But it was it was just really well done, you know. And I love this. Here, let me go over to the caregiver keyboard. I want to show you something here. I talked about the last block, learning something new. Well, we're going to learn something new here today for all you musicians. I'm going to depart from the normal stuff I talk about and just talk about music theory for just a moment. All right, this is and now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. That see those chords I'm using? They're like major sevens and flat nines. They had a little more color to it. And then Mylon added this lyric, and let the sick say, I am whole. Gracie loves this lyric. But look at this, I do a walk up. Bound say, I am free to the minor six before going on with the normal. Now here's what you call a shotgun modulation. And now, let the weak say, I am strong. Say I am rich. That's a major seven chord, and then that's the uh, the seven chord, major seven chord. Now I'm gonna do that walk up again, and then land on the minor six. And you know these are the just things I do to add color to a song. Uh, when you have the upper structures of a chord, you have, um, most people can play like a, a major chord, a minor chord, if you're playing on a guitar, a, a D to a G to an A. But then some, sometimes you throw in what you call some color tones, which are the seventh tone, the ninth, and you just look at the scale. What is the ninth? Well, if you're in the key of D, the ninth would be an E above that you know an octave above go one two three four five six do re mi so fa so la ti do re that's the ninth and so you add those in to give it some color and then if you're playing a a five chord for example sometimes you could throw in a flat nine and it gets just very very lovely combinations of notes that make it more it, it, what you want to do is you want to create interest. You want to tug at somebody's ear. So they say, oh, oh, that feels... And it's all about creating tension and resolve so that when you do resolve it, it feels like, you know, just a big warm blanket. You know, oh, yeah, that feels good, you know, kind of thing. And so you you stretch it out. You go to a minor six instead of landing on the one. You know, you you substitute chords in there. For those of you who are not musicians, this is not going to mean anything to you, but please understand that I was a musician before I became a caregiver. I've been playing music since I was five years old, and I love to push myself musically to be able to 
grow and learn as a musician because that enhances my life and hopefully the lives of others who listen to me play. But more importantly, it gives an outlet for my heart. God made me musical, and I want to be a good steward of that gift he gave me by learning as much as I can. And that's what I'm trying to inspire those of you to do in whatever giftings God has given you. And some of you may have a musical gifting, and if so, please learn and grow and push yourself. You show me any successful musician on the, on the stage today, and I'll show you somebody who listens to a lot of music. Now, the really skilled one, you listen to this enormous library of music, and, and they're, they're listening to things, oh, how did he do that? Well, how did he learn how to do that? You know, how, how's he figuring out those chords? What, wait a minute, what chord was that? And I, I remember listening to music when I was in school and studying as a student, and, and I, would, I would be amazed at people who were so much better than I am who could listen to it and write down what they were hearing whether it was a chord chart or a lead sheet or whatever. And I was always stunned by that kind of skill. And I took that class in, in college and I was not very good at it. And I remember later watching a session player friend of mine writing down a chart as he was listening to it. He was writing down the chords for it. I thought, man, that's, how is he doing that? And I just kept pushing myself to learn how to do it. And now I can, not as well as he can, but, but, you know, I, I do my best to try to pick up what's going on with them and train my ear to hear it. And so that's how I've done it for me. I, I, I'm sorry, I digressed from our regularly scheduled program to get into music theory, but I love to experiment with what may sound better to my ear or more importantly, what may express more accurately from my heart. So when I played that song that you just heard, I'm not going to play it, you know. Um, I mean, do you feel the difference on that, on how unpleasant that sounds? But I'm thinking about Gracie singing this, and I'm feeling this with her as she's singing it. So she's going to sing... You know, and now let the 6 a.m. hold. So how do I want to play that? I want to play this now. And she's going to sing, and let the bounce say I'm free. And that's not that walk up I'm going to do right there. To that minor chord. And then I'll walk down. And then it's going to go to this one. And you feel how that resolves to your heart? Give thanks. Lord, give thanks. And there's a sense of resolve. There's a sense of comfort. There's a sense of focus that comes musically. And the more I know, the more precise I can be and express those things, the more I train myself, the more I study, the more I learn even as a caregiver, the more accurately and the more effectively I can communicate what's going on in me as an artist and what's going on in Gracie as an artist. So it's important for us to push ourselves to learn, to grow. And not just musically, the more I know theologically, the more I'm going to be able to express things. My theological 
training that I've been doing over the last year. And I have a tutor. He listens to this program regularly and, and grades me. No, he doesn't grade me. He's a great guy. And he listens to me though regularly and we talk. But one of the things he said to me when I started out on this endeavor, and I've really thrown myself into this. Now, I can't go to class like other people can. I, I can't even sit down and read books and take notes and so forth like others. I do a lot of things on audio while I'm doing my chores and I'm learning. But he told me at the beginning, he said, when you start down this road, what's going to happen is you're going to find that you're become more that you're going to become more precise, that you're going to develop a cohesiveness in your thought and, and an understanding, and it's going to help you better communicate these deeper truths. And he was exactly right. It's the same thing with any discipline that you learn. The more you learn, the more precise you become, the more adept you become at speaking it saying it, doing it, performing it, functioning, whatever. So that's why I push myself and my fellow caregivers to learn, to grow, to, to, to push yourself, to learn a new skill, to learn something. Okay. So anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to depart from our regularly scheduled program into the world of music theory. But again, music is a, is a huge part of my life. And I, I've got a lot of you all who enjoy the caregiver keyboard and some of you I'm, I'm speaking Chinese to right now I get that so I'm, I apologize for that but others it may resonate with you and you may say oh wow I didn't know I could do that well yeah you can and my piano professor who I got to see when I was in Nashville I, I, I flew down there last week and I spoke at a conference and I drove to Florence, Alabama, and, on the, and then I came back to Nashville, spent the night, and get up the next day to fly back. But before I did, I went and saw my piano professor, John Arn, who's been on this program. And we talked about arranging for hymns and playing and music. We just kicked it around. And he, he used to tell me all the time that when you hit a bad note, you're always one half step away from a good note. Or he said, if you're playing it and you hit a wrong note, that when you come back around, if you're doing the chorus or doing that, he said, just hit it again. And people think it was intentional, which I've done that. Uh, I am ashamed to say that I did that at my sister's wedding when I played for her recessional. She probably doesn't remember it, but I do. It stood out and I hit it. I was playing this and I hit that. And I was like, oh man. So I did it again on the second time around. I was playing the pipe organ there and of course the pipe organ is you know it's like it's this massive instrument and and i don't know that anybody paid attention uh i don't know that anybody heard but if you could make things sound really big and gothic even if it's dissonant on a pipe organ and so people think oh you know he meant to do that and i don't play the organ very much and i don't like to in fact i i don't want to ever again it, it's a very intimidating instrument and I respect people who could do it. But uh, anyway, I did that at my sister's wedding. And, uh, I, I hope she doesn't go back and listen to it and hear me do that and make that clam. But, the, but the, the lesson still holds. If you hit a wrong note, come back around and hit it again. And people will think it was intentional. You know, you don't have to be perfect in everything you do. If you, I think as Salvador Dali said, don't fear perfection for you shall never achieve it. Not in this life you're not going to. We have a Savior who is perfect, and He allows us to become that way, but we're not required to play perfect instruments. We're not required to paint a perfect picture. We often take the 
scripture, be ye perfect as I am perfect, and, and take it out of context. That's not the context. God is not requiring us to play our recital pieces perfectly. Uh, for that, I am immensely grateful, Lord. Thank you on that one. But too many people focus on feeling better, particularly as caregivers. I'd rather focus on being better. And that's why I spent the time on this today. We'll get back to our regularly scheduled caregiver-related program when we come back. This is Peter Rosenberg. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Don't go away. Angels seem to be, in some special way, particularly geared to give instructions. And you know what? That's at the very core of who they are as individuals. Because what does the word angel mean? At its very basic core meaning is the word messenger. Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests, plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Hey friends, it's Jessica Peck, Dr. Nurse Mama, as your one-minute parenting coach. Do you have a secret struggle? Something not many people know about, but something that consumes your family life? Many of us do. Here's a hard truth. We fear fatal social injuries of falling from a self-constructed pedestal more than we fear very real threats of injury or death. No one is perfect. We all make mistakes, and we all adopt unhealthy coping mechanisms. But what is hidden cannot be healed. Healing from hidden secrets is one of the best legacy gifts we can give our children. Let today be the day you face that thing and reach out for help. You don't have to walk this road alone. I'll see you on the Dr. Nurse Mama radio show here on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. That is my wife, Gracie, with Russ Taff off of her CD, Resilient. By the way, if you want to get a copy of that CD, the easiest way to do it is go out to, um, actually call this number, 615-297-5388 at Logos Bookstore, 615-297-5388. And I, Gracie's fussing at me because I haven't loaded that on so that you can download it from iTunes and everything else. You can do individual songs, but you know you can go out there to iTunes and Amazon Prime and all that kind of stuff. You can do it, but I, I haven't done it. I've had a few other things going on in my life, so I'm working on it, and I'm trying to build a, a page. You can see some of it right now and see what you think at PeterRosenberger.com with all my product pages and so forth. So feel free to take a look and see what you think. We're trying to update a lot of things, 
And uh, it's Peter Rosenberger, R-O-S-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. It's a new page I'm doing. I'm going to link to it from the Hope for the Caregiver page. But I'm just trying some things, and we're working fast and furious on that. So anyway, all right, let's get back to uh, the Help Me 1230 program that I came up with. And on this, we address the me, M, me, help me. The M is for money. So how do you how do you deal with your money as a caregiver? What do you do with one, two, thirty? Well, here's something I came up with. All right. Again, you don't have to do this. It's something that helps me. I come up with one charity to financially support. One charity it has nothing to do with being a caregiver, has nothing to do with all the other things I deal with. It's me putting something towards helping someone else financially. You don't have to spend a lot. You can do $5 a year, but do something that focuses on supporting something other than your own world. Get outside yourself a little bit. Find a worthwhile cause. Could be anything. I mean, there are so many different worthwhile causes. I would recommend, by the way, if you listen to this program regularly, support American Family Radio. Okay, just go online at AFR.net and support them. You're getting something out of this. Are you giving something back to them? Okay, you're, you're, you're benefiting from this, and they are working hard. I've been in there. I've got to know these folks pretty well over the years that I've been on the air with them, and these people work pretty hard to, to stay focused on bringing a clear message of the gospel through geopolitical events, through teachings, through uh, all kinds of things that they do, well, so support them. If everybody in this audience that benefits from what I'm saying and doing here went out to AFR and just pledged, I don't know, 10 bucks a month, you know, that would be a huge thing for them. This is a big audience. 10 bucks. I, whatever it is that the Lord lays on your heart, but do something that is supporting something else besides yourself. Push yourself to support, to give. Okay, so that's something we can do. We get It gets our mind off of our misery and lets us know that we are doing something that has greater value. One charity that you could support and get involved with it, okay? Two meetings per year with some type of financial advisor or an accountant just to go over everything to make sure it's solid. Are your taxes being paid? I was talking to a caregiver the other day who's way behind on filing income tax. I don't know that he has to pay that much, but you have to file them. Death and taxes, okay? I mean, that's just render under Caesar, and Caesar's very demanding. So let's stay on top of that. Let's don't get behind. Well, you don't need to add that kind of pressure. For those of you who are professionally in that world, financial reps and, and accountants and so forth, if you are looking to help someone that's a caregiver, Call your pastor and say, look, I'd love to sit down with any caregiver here. I'm not trying to drum up business. I'm going to do this just to be able to help and sit down with them and make sure that they're okay financially, that they have some kind of plan. Don't sell them anything. You're not trying to make a living off of these people. You're just wanting to help. It would be a huge help. And I bet you your pastor would know somebody in the church who could benefit from that. Just to sit down, have a conversation, make sure everything's up to date. You know, it may be a situation where you'll have to charge them something down the road, but 
I'm not trying to create leads for you for your business. I'm just saying this is how you help a caregiver. If a caregiver looks tired, I bet you their wallets look tired too. Their purses look tired too. Okay? So sit down as a caregiver with somebody who is a trained financial expert in their field. An accountant would be helpful to start off with. You may be able to to start meeting with a financial advisor and start putting money away. It, it may be possible for you to do that. May not be. But the conversation is a, is a must. Okay? It's it's really important that we be smart financially. And if we don't know how to do something, there are plenty of people that do. So seek out good financial counsel. Make sure that all of your filings are done on time. Make sure that you're properly deducting stuff. Did you know you could deduct all kinds of things that are caregiver related? Mileage, back and forth to the, the pharmacy or back and forth to doctor's offices and things such as that. Ask about that sort of thing. Maybe it's possible for you. Okay, just get some get some good eyes, trained eyeballs on you, just like we're doing with doctors, just like we're doing with counselors. Now we're dealing with our money and it's money's tight. I know that, but as I've often said, it's not a lack of resources. It's often a lack of resourcefulness and it's very important. Today is a great day to start making healthy financial decisions. Don't beat yourself up over what you did last week, man. I have made so many financial blunders, but I don't have to do it again today. I can learn from that. And I could seek out counsel from people who are better trained and, and wiser and smarter at this sort of thing. And they can give me good counsel. And if they won't spend the time to help you, shake the dust off your feet and go to another one. <laughs> you know, there's there's people out there that will help. If you ask for help, they're, they're help, they'll help you. And But be very specific and intentional of what you're dealing with. What is the pressing issue? So the best way to start sometimes is, okay, are all of your filings up to date? All of your tax returns, all that kind of stuff. If it's up to date, we're in good shape. Let's go to the next issue. You know, the next issue, the next issue. Just chip away at this. You didn't get here overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. You say, well, Peter, I don't have any money. So it doesn't really matter. Everybody's got something. If you're completely destitute, that's a different conversation. But I don't think that you are at this point. So let's start making good, financially healthy decisions right now. Okay? Right now. And then the 30. So we got one charity that you can support. Think about somebody else's challenges other than your own. Two meetings per year with a financial advisor or an accountant of some type that can go through your stuff and and help you develop a a solid plan. Remember I had um, the guy on here a while back. His name is Hans Scheel. Finishing Well is his podcast. You can go out. He has... Uh, an amazing library of podcasts you can go out and listen to for free. And and Hans said something great on this program. He said, don't avoid calling me just because you don't think I can afford it. Let me make that decision. Okay, so I thought that's an open invitation. You can reach out to him at his website and let him talk to you about it and see what may be available. You don't have to start with, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. You can start with $1, okay? That's, you know, the goal is for you to start. 
So don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Just step out in boldness and say, I am going to start making better financial decisions today, and I'm going to seek the help of somebody who can help me do it. Okay? Commit to that. And then 30. Now, what is 30? What are we going to do? 1, 2, and 30. Remember, everything is 1, 2, and 30. So what are we going to do with 30? Well, here's what I suggest. Try squirreling away $30 from every paycheck into some type of savings or investment. Try squirreling it away. Okay? You may not be able to right now. Some of us, you know, I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. I know what it's like to live, you know, (laughs) under paycheck to paycheck that you're like, okay, well, I'm only going to go into debt this much this month. You know, I've been there. I mean, Gracie's cost a fortune. I mean, it's the numbers are, are staggering from what Gracie's journey has cost. And, and then you have lost labor cost that they don't even figure that in of what I could be making with, you know, without these types of encumbrances that we have on us. But here we are. So shoot for 30. You may be able to do, you know, 300. You may be able to do 3,000. Some of you may have be able to do 30,000 a month. I don't know. But the point is, you're doing something that you're socking it away. You're putting into some type of savings or investment that's going to help you. And that's where trained financial advisors can help you. It may be that you're starting off really small. But the discipline of doing that is going to be a game changer. And speaking of discipline, tithe. That's also going to force you into a discipline financially. And uh, this is what Scripture commands of us. So tithe and watch God work. I mean, God says in his scripture, test me in this. Watch him work, but say, Lord, I'm going to be responsible for my finances and I am going to tithe to where I'm being spiritually fed at my church and I'm going to support my church. And if you're making $100 a week, you tithe $10. Yes, that's going to be tough. And there are people that can give all kinds of great big gifts to church. That's not what Jesus is looking for here. You remember the story of the widow and two mites? Because she's giving all she has to give. Okay? God is not limited, nor does he require you to support him. He's not limited to your support. He's not requiring your support in the sense that he's got to have it. It's a discipline for us. To be able to say in faith, we're going to rely on God to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Okay, it's going to push us. It's going to be tough. And we're going to have to make hard decisions. But that's just part of being a caregiver. We make hard decisions all the time. But now we're going to make healthy decisions. They may be hard, but they're healthy. Okay, so that's our money. We got H E L P. M, and the next one is E, our endurance. And we're going to talk about that when we come back, okay? The Help Me program. Is, everything is 1, 2, 30. Sounds pretty easy. I tried to make it easy for myself. I did it for me. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. I'll never forget walking into the hospital room after Gracie had her second amputation. Both legs are gone now. And she looked at me. She said, I know what I'm going to do. And I was kind of startled. I said, well, what are you going to do? 
She said, I'm going to help provide prosthetic limbs to my fellow amputees and tell them about Jesus. And I said, well, baby, can we get out of the hospital first? But she never let it go. And for almost 20 years, we've been working out of Ghana, West Africa. We treat patients all over there from other countries that come there. We send supplies. We send teams. We sponsor patients. We work with a prison where inmates volunteer to disassemble used prosthetic limbs so we can recycle the parts. All of this because Gracie trusted God with her heartache. We've got a huge shipment of supplies that is being loaded up right now to go out soon. Would you help us do it? Standingwithhope.com slash giving. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. There's prosthetic feet, knees, pylons, sleeves, adapters, all kinds of connectors. All of these things we are sending over there so that people can walk. We're going to point them to Christ. Help us out. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. While in the emergency room with my wife, as she was struggling with the COVID-19 virus herself, and I looked at her, I said, are you scared? And she said, a little bit, but I've been through worse. The Certainty of Mankind's History with Uncertainty, an article by Peter Rosenberger. And then as her fever was approaching almost 103, she started singing in Christ alone. I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. And that's how she has anchored herself in the certainty of Christ through her huge medical journey that has included 80 surgeries, both of her legs amputated, 100 doctors have treated her, 12 hospitals, and now the COVID-19 virus. And so when we live with those kinds of uncertainties, anchoring ourselves in Christ, in Christ alone, that's the only place we can run to where there is certainty. To read this article and more, visit afa.net forward slash the stand. Until I'm standing with you in the sun I'll fight this fight in the race I'll run Until I finally see what you can see Oh, you're only scars Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. That's a song that uh, you all probably know, but Gracie cut that as well. And I love listening to her sing that. I've often told her many, many years, for many years, um, that you know, she's her scars are temporary. All the scars that she has on her body are temporary. But his are not. And that means something. We're going to wrap up with our Help Me 1230 program that I developed for myself of just things to remember for me. And the last one is E, help me, M-E, endurance, E for endurance. How do we, how do we endure? How do we stay focused on this? One daily outside contact with positive and loving friends with Find a friend somewhere that you can call. Phone a friend. Just call him up and listen to someone who is speaking life into your life, who's a positive person, who loves you, cares for you. 
reach out to them. I don't care if it's just to talk about the weather. I don't care if it's to tell the joke of the day. Just find somebody that outside of your home and in your caregiving world that you can call. Okay? That's one. The two, everything is one, two, thirty. Two hours per week of just me time. Just you. Two hours. You can find two hours. Don't tell me you can't because you can't. Now I'm going to pull rank on you. Not many of you all have been a caregiver for as long as I have or through what I've been through, and I can find it. So if I can find it, you can find it. You may have to be creative, may not be able to do it all at once, but find two hours somewhere just for you. Where I live here in Montana, I get out on a horse. Okay, some of you may not be able to do that, particularly if you live in urban environments, but that's what I do for me. In the wintertime, it's a snowmobile, sometimes just for a walk. I said one of the other things to find something 30 minutes that you can watch that's funny every day, just something. Maybe you just combine a couple of these things, but make it for you. Spend time practicing. When I sit down at the piano and practice, I'm not just trying to learn how to play better. I am communicating from the depths of my soul. That's that's how I do it musically. Some of you paint, some of you garden, some of you like to to needlepoint, some of you like to you know create all kinds of things. Whether it's knitting and, and, and who knows, whatever. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. Just find something that's for you, and do that for two hours every week, and then take thirty minutes a day, and you can find this. To be still, to have some kind of devotional time, to be quiet, just to be still. If you do not take time for stillness, you will make time for illness. But learn to be still. Okay? Look through all the scripture. How many times you hear the Lord say through scripture, be still. Y'all be quiet. Simmer down now. Be still. Okay? Learn to be still. 30 minutes a day. It's a discipline. You may not get it. The first time you go, first 10 times you go, but you can try to work towards that of learning to be still, quieten your thoughts. One, two, 30, our help me program. And that's, that's just something I came up with to give a guideline to myself and to fellow caregivers. Please, again, do not feel like you've got to somehow adhere to this as, as far as with some type of rigidity, but just use it as a way of keeping you back on the main road. We can get lost in the weeds so easily. So, one, two, thirty, And I'm going to leave you with a bonus one, two, thirty. Okay? A bonus one, two, thirty. You're not having to pay any extra for this. All right? <laughs> there are times when we just hang our heads in weariness and despair and we are so discouraged okay I, I get that in those moments remember the one two thirty. you have one savior there is one savior I am not that savior you are not that savior look down at your hands if you don't see nail prints, then this ain't yours to fix. You are responsible for your own actions and what comes out of your mouth, your thoughts, words, and deeds. One day, 
Our Savior's plan is going to be clear, and all of this will be made right for those who trust in Him. And that's where our faith comes in. And I cling to that promise. God will wipe all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's in the book of Revelations. We have a Savior. That's why I love Keith Green's hymn, There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son. I, mean, I just love that hymn. I love that hymn. There is a Redeemer. There is a Savior. And we're not that Redeemer or Savior. Okay, so you have one Savior. And then two, remember, everything is one, two, thirty. And then two hymns. Now, for me, these are the two hymns that I remember that come to me in moments when it's just overpowering. And most of us feel overwhelmed, overpowered, and outmatched on a good day. On a bad day, we're just feeling completely engulfed. But in those moments, there are great hymns of the faith of people who have been there before us, who lived to write about it, who lived to sing about it, some who even lived to laugh about it. But in this particular case, this hymn, and you all know this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. How many of you all know that hymn? It is one of the most widely recognized hymns in the entire world. I, I remember in a clinic in Ghana where we're treating amputees and the, the waiting room was filled with amputees. If you've ever been in a room filled with amputees, it is, it is extraordinary. And, and there must have been 30, 45 people there. All these different amputees, women, men, children, and we're putting legs on them. This is what we do at Standing With Hope, standingwithhope.com, if you want to go see more about that. And they're all singing, It is well with my soul. Now, let me tell you something. If you hear a room full of amputees singing with their whole being, It is well with my soul, that is an extraordinary and memorable event. And if they can do it, you can too. So remember that. Two hymns. The second one I remember is Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Can you hang on to those two hymns? It is well and great is thy faithfulness. There may be others that you want to do. There's a huge repository of hymns out there that we just all but ignore in our modern day church. I would recommend we not ignore them. But you go back and look at them. But those two are, are pretty familiar. Hang on to those. One, Savior. Two hymns. And then 30 words. 30 words. You think you memorize these 30 words? I bet you already have. Listen to these 30 words that have sustained billions. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me.
you've already memorized those 30 words. Many of you are saying it with me. Say it again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. One Savior, two hymns, 30 words. When it's just piling on you, you may not be able to remember anything else, but you can remember that you have a Savior. You can remember that your loved one has a Savior, and you ain't that Savior. You can remember to look down at your hands, and when you don't see nail prints, you can remember that you're not that Savior, that this is way above your ability to fix, and you can trust Him. You can remember two hymns that sustain you in moments when clarity and your ability to even think is just out the window. And you can say, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it as well with my soul. If Horatio Spafford can pin that over the watery graves of his children and say that with conviction and the world sings that and if a room full of amputees waiting on a prosthetic leg in Ghana, West Africa can say that, so can you and I. And then 30 words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. One, two, thirty. I've given you the best I got of this today, and I'll put this out on the podcast, and you can go ahead and reference it again. But I thought it might be helpful to you today to listen to some of these things to guide you back on the main road. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.